take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. Testing is an opportunity for you to reveal something, your knowledge, your courage, or oftentimes your faith. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes us to a time of testing on the stormy sea of Galilee, where Jesus gives his disciples the opportunity to reveal their faith. Would you pass the test and join Jesus on the waves? Here's David to introduce today's special message, Walking on Water. Well, today we look at another uh, isolated passage in Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 52. Today we're going to talk about walking on water. Recently, I've been trying to emphasize to our congregation here in San Diego that faith and obedience are almost synonyms, that when we say we believe in something, we will do whatever it is is required of us. And I often think about Peter uh, asking Christ, uh, to let him walk on the water. And the Lord Jesus said, if you believe, you'll come to me. And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk, and you know the rest of the story. But Peter would not have expressed faith if he had not done what the Lord told him to do. And that's one of the things we're going to learn today as we open our Bibles to the sixth chapter of Mark. There's a lot that is described as faith that isn't faith at all. Um, James tells us that faith without works is dead. And what he means is that if you have faith and it doesn't change the way you live or, or, or you're not different because you have it, then what you have isn't real. So open your Bible to Mark chapter 6 on this Friday edition of Turning Point, and in just a moment we'll get to that passage. First, I want to remind you for one of the uh, few times I have left in this month of our beautiful calendar uh, I always love talking about this because as I hold it in my hand, I can't help but think how everybody would want to have this. I know you would love to have a copy of this. It's a beautiful wall calendar that is just um, overrun with the colors of creation. It is a 14-month calendar that begins in November. Uh, since we do this in September, it gives us plenty of time to get it to you, gets it out of the mail rush at the end of the year and you actually have it two months early. We only have a couple of days left for me to tell you about this, so if you haven't done so already, get your gift in the mail for Turning Point during the month of September, and simply say, here is my gift to help with the cost of airtime and production. Please send me the calendar, and it'll be on its way. Well, here we go. Back to the book of Mark and walking on the water. I want to tell you today that I'm pretty confident that God has his own emergency broadcast system. 
designed specifically for his children. And he conducts these tests in our lives so that we will be prepared when we have real emergencies. Can I get a witness? And as we open our Bibles today to the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, we are about to visit one of these tests. And I want you to know that the miracle of Jesus walking on the water is recorded for us both in Mark and in Matthew and in John. Only Luke does not record it. And in all three cases where this miracle is recorded, it always follows right after the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to find out why in just a few moments. Before we look at these verses, I want to remind you that over in chapter 4, the storm seemed to be almost demonic because remember Jesus rebuked the storm like you would rebuke a demon and the storm was quelled. Here in this situation, the storm simply is a reflection of a wind blowing in the wrong direction and the disciples having a hard time getting where they want to go. Those are different. In the first storm, Jesus is in the boat with the disciples even though he's asleep in the boat. In this storm here in chapter 6, he's not in the boat. He actually ends up coming to the boat, but he's not in the boat during the storm. So these are two different storms, but the same Jesus, the same disciples, and the same Sea of Galilee. And we begin understanding this by examining the pattern of this test in verse 45. Immediately, we are told, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat And go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. Now, the reason that we know the importance of the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on the water and the storm is because John connects these two together for us and helps us understand something we wouldn't know without his writing. Here's what John tells us about the feeding of the 5,000. Then those men, when they had seen the sign which Jesus did, which was feeding those people, said, this is truly the prophet who has come to the world. And when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now the crowd that had been there the day when Jesus fed them was dangerously fueled with messianic fever. They saw what Jesus did, and they wanted to make him their king right then. I mean, why not? I mean, free lunch, right? (laughs) And Jesus realized what they were up to, and he didn't want that to happen because he knew his time wasn't come yet. It wasn't time for him to become king. And so the Bible says two things happened. Jesus went to the mountains to pray, and it says that he made his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side of the sea. You see, the people who had experienced the miracle of the feeding of the thousands wanted to crown Jesus, and Jesus knew that his time had not come, so he just had to get away from the crowd to keep them from doing what they shouldn't do. And the real issue in this is that Jesus had done a miracle, and his hope was that the disciples would come to know who he was, as they do at the end of this story, that he was truly the Son of God. And he had no intentions whatsoever of hastening the day of his becoming king over Israel. That wasn't about to happen. So Jesus goes to the mountain and the disciples are sent across the sea so that they can get away from the crowd. Now the interesting thing about this 
miracle is once again a rhythm that we've noticed in the Gospels that I don't want you to forget. And that is that this time of testing that we're going to examine with the disciples comes after a mountaintop experience. Remember that often the depth of the wave is equal to the height of the wave that goes before it. Oftentimes, after a mountaintop experience, there's a valley that comes. We not only know that because the Scripture teaches it, we know it because it happens to us. When we have a moment of great victory in our lives, a great mountaintop experience, we are more vulnerable then than we know. In fact, as you go through the Scripture, you see this rhythm. You see it in the lives of the disciples and the life of Jesus. So here's that rhythm again, that test followed a time of great blessing, the pattern of the test. Now let's get into the story itself and the preparation for the test. We are told in verses 45 through 48 that Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Once again, here's another lesson that God seems to be impressing upon us. The Bible says Jesus, watch it, made his disciples get into the boat and go to the other side. Apparently, that's not what they wanted to do because the word itself is so intense. It's about urgency. It's almost like Jesus forced them against their will to get in the boat, and maybe they just wanted to stay with Jesus. But he thrust them into this boat and the boat out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee and right into the teeth of a terrible storm. Jesus did that. He did that to his disciples. And do you think he didn't know what was going to happen? Sure he knew. What did happen? Well, first of all, there was a time of isolation. Notice verse 47. Now, when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Matthew says, But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary, now in the fourth watch of the night. And John tells the story this way, Now when evening came, the disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark. Jesus hadn't come to them. Now if you've read these verses carefully and you've listened to what they've said, let me tell you, this was an eerie time. This was the night. In fact, the Scripture tells us what time it was. It was between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. That's the fourth watch of the night. The disciples began their journey in the evening, and they've been working all night long, and it's now 3 o'clock in the morning. How many of you know nothing good ever happens at 3 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> and it was a time of isolation. And it was also a time of desperation. Notice verse 48. Jesus saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Matthew 14 says, The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And John says, The sea arose because a great wind was blowing. The scripture says that what happened was the disciples set out for Capernaum, and the more they rowed, the more the wind was blowing against them. So they were rowing into the wind. The wind was not helping them. How many of you know the wind is a pretty strong force? We don't think of it very often. But the disciples were thinking of it that night. And the wind was contrary. And John fills in some additional details. Here's what he says. 
when they had rowed about three or four miles. Put that in your notebook. Here's what he's saying. The length of the journey which the disciples took off as Jesus instructed them was about five miles. The Bible says they had rowed about three or four miles, so they were more than halfway. And Matthew tells us that Jesus came to them in the fourth watch of the night. Now get this in your head. They had begun their journey, the scripture says, along toward evening. So they had been rowing on the Sea of Galilee for somewhere between seven and nine hours. It had taken them seven to nine hours to travel three or four miles. So you can get some idea of the strength of the wind. Basically, friends, they were treading water. They weren't going anywhere. And Mark tells us, what Jesus saw from his vantage point. He saw them straining at rowing. In other words, they were given everything they had. And I believe their desperation now had long, long ago, somewhere in that seven to nine hours, they didn't even think about getting to Capernaum. They were thinking about saving their lives. They didn't know if they were going to make it. The wind was so strong. And Jesus saw this thing and he watched. And Jesus saw the disciples rowing for all they were worth They had their backs toward their destination. They'd been rowing all night, and now it was not just to get to the other side, but it was to stay alive. They were desperate. Remember, a problem is a situation engineered by God to make us understand our own insufficiency so that we will trust in him for everything that we need. He's got them right where he wants them. Now, the process of the test, and the best way I can tell you this is to kind of review the different senses of the disciples and what happened to them that day. So let's begin with what they saw. What did the disciples see? Mark chapter 6, verse 48. And about the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And he would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea. Now, As the disciples are rowing with all of their hearts and weariness is setting in from an all-nighter and it's three o'clock in the morning, they look up and they see something moving across the top of the water towards them. And John tells us they saw Jesus walking on the sea and he was drawing near to the boat. In other words, he was coming toward them and he was gaining on them. Just stop and think about that for a moment. What the disciples saw was this figure gliding across the top of the water and he was going at such a speed that they thought he was going to go right past them. And apparently he got alongside of them and that's when he looked and said, don't be afraid, it is I, and they realized who it was. That's what they saw. Here's what they said. Verse 49, and they supposed it was a ghost And they cried out, Matthew, and they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And the word for ghost in the New Testament language is the word phantasma, from which we get our word phantom. They thought it was a phantom, a ghost. And this is what they felt. Verse 50 says, and they saw him and they were troubled. Is that not the understatement of the scripture? And they were troubled and they cried out in fear. And they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. That's Matthew and John's contribution to this story. In other words, panic was ricocheting throughout the boat. Some were standing, some were screaming, perhaps some ready to jump into the sea. 
Why were they afraid? Why were they so afraid? I mean, let's face it, we would have been afraid too. But once they saw that it was Jesus, why were they afraid? Well, jump down in your Bibles to verse 52 and notice, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. What do you mean they hadn't understood about the loaves? They had still not figured out that it was Jesus, the Son of the living God, who was involved with them. They had been with him. They'd handed out the food. They knew something miraculous had happened. One little boy's lunch had become enough food for 15,000 people. What an incredible thing. But they still didn't connect the dots that this one who had made that happen was indeed the son of the living God. Their hearts were hardened. So when they were in the storm and the son of the living God comes flying by them, walking on the sea, they still have not been initiated. They still don't get it. And you know, I just bring this up because I've heard people say this, and maybe you said this, listen to me. If only I could have lived when Jesus was on this earth, I would have had a lot more faith. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't, because we just learned about the disciples. They lived with Jesus every day, and they still didn't get it. And so what happens is they're afraid. They see this phantom, and this is what they heard, verse 50. But immediately, as he's passing by and he looks toward them, he says to them, be of good cheer. (laughs) Yeah, right, Lord. Be of good cheer. We're about to drown. We're about to go under. You want us to be of good cheer? Be of good cheer. Listen to this. It is I. Do not be afraid. They had not yet processed who the I was in it. It is I. But is that not a great statement that should take away all of our fear? Whenever we are afraid and we realize that Jesus has entered into our situation, we hear him say, it is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer. I've got it under control. Matthew says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. As the disciples quaked with fear, almost paralyzed, a voice pierced the storm and it cut through their fear. It is I. Be not afraid. How many of you ever heard the Lord say that to you in the midst of your fears? In your heart, you hear him say, David, don't be afraid. I'm here. It is I. I heard that in a hospital once. I've heard it in my life several times. It is I. Be not afraid. Now, what was the purpose of all of this? What was the purpose of the test? The scripture says in verses 51 and 52 that Jesus went up into the boat after he had identified himself and the wind ceased. Now, Let me just talk with you for a moment about the wonder of Jesus. And I'd like to point out that in this account that we have here in Matthew 6, there were actually four miracles. And you only can see two of them in Mark because one of the other ones in Matthew and the other ones in John. But they're all about this same event. So let me point them out to you. The first wonder, of course, the first miracle was when Jesus walked on the water. It says in verse 48, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Miracle number one. How many believe that qualifies as a miracle? How many of you can't even water ski? Right. Right. All right. Jesus walking on the water. We got that one. Okay. Number two, the Bible says in verse 51 that when he got into the boat, as soon as he got inside the boat, everything stopped. The storm was over. The sea was calm. The wind stopped. It was like, wow. All of a sudden, in a moment, it didn't just slow down. It didn't just quietly go away. 
it stopped. So we got those two miracles. Well, what are the other ones? Well, the third one, as you know, is not in this account, but it's in Matthew's account, and that's Peter walking on the water. That's the third miracle. Jesus walks on the water. He calms the sea. Peter walks on the water, and there's one more. And John tells us about this one. And you might be surprised. I think I was when I saw this. Here it is. Verse 21. John chapter 6. And they willingly received Jesus into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Whoa. How would you like to have been on that ride? (laughs) Jesus gets into the boat and immediately the boat's where it's supposed to be. They're about two or three miles out from what we can tell in the story. But when Jesus gets in the boat, he does away with all of distance and all of that. And all of a sudden, the boat is wham, right at the shore. Would that be a night you would never forget? (laughs) I mean, you see Jesus walking on the water. You see the calm of the storm when he gets in the boat. Then you see Peter trying to do his thing. And then finally... That's all over. Jesus gets in the boat, and there's no more rowing. There's no more fighting. You're automatically, immediately at the place you had set out to be hours and hours ago. The wonder of Jesus. What a night. What a time of miracles. And the Bible says that the wonder of Jesus eventuated in the worship of Jesus. Matthew tells us, that those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, now listen, this is what Jesus has been after all this time. Listen to his disciples. Those that were in the boat came and they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Ching. <laughs> they got it. Look what Jesus had to do. Look what God had to do to get through to the hard hearts of his disciples. He fed 15,000 people with a little boy's lunch. He walked on the water. He calmed the sea twice. He got Peter to walk on the water. He took them on the fastest boat trip recorded in history. And after all that was done, they said, Oh, you must be Jesus, the Son of the living God. (laughs) And you know what? We're kind of hard on the disciples, but how many of you could give testimony to the fact that you were almost that stubborn before you came to Jesus? People witnessed to you. They talked to you. You saw their changed lives. You saw what God has done in their family. And they kept saying to you, why don't you come to trust Christ? And yeah, I don't need that stuff. I don't need that religious stuff. And then after a while, you just couldn't any longer deny the reality and the power of Jesus Christ. And your hardened heart was broken so that you could say, truly he is the son of the living God. They worshiped him. Here's the promise for this test, and this is really special in my estimation. The promise for the test. I want you to kind of visualize this. I do this a lot when I'm studying the Gospels because of the way the narratives go. Here's kind of a good way to look at this. You know what a split screen is. So over here something's happening, and over here something's happening. They're happening at the same time. Because of technology, we're not allowed to watch them both. Here's the split screen. You got it? Here are the disciples in their boat in the midst of the storm. Where's Jesus? He's in the mountain praying for them. In the midst of the storm, he's praying for his disciples. Is it interesting, my friends, that when we go through our storms, 
even though our Lord often engineers them for us as a test. He never stops praying for us. Do you remember when Jesus said to Simon, 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 Satan desires to test you, but I have prayed for you. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus is in heaven, interceding in our behalf. He's our intercessor. He's praying for us. And especially when we're in the storms, when we're in the difficult times, as some of you are right now, be encouraged today, my friends, to know that he sees you and he's praying for you. And this is a test. But he isn't going to leave you to take the test without his help and encouragement. Amen. Amen. Well, it does feel like we're in a testing time, doesn't it? Every day we are confronted with new challenges, new obstacles, new issues that we have to deal with. And we're asking God for wisdom, and he's testing us to see if we will follow him and do what he's called us to do. The Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That means all of us, we, we all have these testing times. If we haven't had it recently, or if we're not in the middle of it now, it'll soon happen. The Lord tests us all, and he wants to prove that we are sufficient for the test in his strength. Well, friends, let me encourage you to look for us on television this weekend. We'll be in your community on one of the national networks or even on a local station, perhaps in the city where you live. We're available all over the country. Um, we have a huge number of people that watch every Sunday, and we hope you'll be a part of that group as we open the Word of God together uh, this weekend. And then, of course, Monday we'll be right back here for the last two messages before we get into the signature series of the year. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for being a part of Turning Point. We'll see you next time. For more information on this special message from Dr. Jeremiah, please be sure to visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine Turning Points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of our 14-month 2021 calendar, Colors of Creation, highlighting God's breathtaking handiwork. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard and New International versions, as well as in Standard or Large Print in the New King James. With helpful notes from over 40 years of study by Dr. Jeremiah, visit davidjeremiah.org radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as David shares a message of encouragement here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content 
an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. 